Diz Life Podcast is brought to you by Pinch of Pixie Dust Travel. People who love Disney understand that life isn't about the breaths you take, it's about the moments that take your breath away. That's why we help coordinate the most magical adventures for you and your family. Disney, Universal, Sandals, Norwegian, Carnival, and more, we are a full-service concierge travel agency that will help with every aspect of your journey. Let us take care of the details while you enjoy your family. Get a quote today by calling us at 570-832-7798 or fill out a trip request form at pinchapixiedusttravel.com. Just follow the second start of the right straight on to your adventure. That's pinchapixiedusttravel.com, where you're making memories one trip at a time. Welcome to Disney Life Podcast. This is the first episode of our brand new Disney Life Podcast. My name is Mark. In today's episode, we are going to delve in all things Disney dining. A lot of people have noticed that since COVID, the dining plan has been suspended. So today, we are going to discuss in great length a variety of different options from quick service to table service options and even dip over to the food and wine festival to help all of our future travelers navigate Disney dining without having the comfort of the dining plan. We stayed for about 12 days, so we had a great opportunity to experience all kinds of dining options throughout not only the parks but also in the resorts. So we are going to give you some strategies to help you navigate the Disney Parks post-dining plan suspension. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can discuss just some uh, general observations of life in the parks after COVID and get some comments and maybe some commentary having just done a pretty lengthy stay over in the parks. So without any further ado, I want to, uh, you know, get into just my general observation and my experiences. So we had the opportunity, we being both my wife, Linda, and our daughter, Isabella, had an opportunity to travel to Disney starting about two weeks ago. So one of the benefits of going, I think two weeks after, essentially two weeks after the parks opened, was we had had an opportunity to go and parse through all of the stuff that we saw on Facebook. We had an opportunity to really read and do lots of research. At that point, the mask uh policies had all been you know really sussed out a lot a lot more and so we we felt like we had a real handle on the state of play at Disney uh with all of that said and seeing the pictures online and hearing all of the commentary about the parks the one thing that i will tell you is even going in having a lot of knowledge we were still floored and taken aback by how different this Disney experience was from our past travels to the park. You know, we, we generally go, so we're, we are out of state pass holders. We generally do go about two, maybe three times a year for about a week each visit. And this was a longer visit. Um, you know, since the COVID breakout in March, we didn't have a chance to do our normal spring visit. So that was canceled. And then we, in essence, we tacked that on to our DVC stay for this summer. Um, but we had a chance to really enjoy the parks and, uh, you know, kind of take all that in. But despite all of that, there were still a lot of really new experiences. So the first thing that I, I do want to tell people is, you know, whether it's this topic and when we get into the dining plan or it's anything, you know, obviously most, most of these podcasts and, you know, I'm sure that for those of you who listen to podcasts with regularity know, you know, all of these podcasts are highly subjective. You know, the, the hosts will give you their thoughts and their opinions. And the first thing that I want to say is, you know, I, I don't think that my opinion is going to be the end all be all. It's just my observations and my experience of what, what I felt. You know, the first thing that I do want to stress before I even get into dining, you know, all of that said is I don't want to 
you know, give you a piece of information, have you go to the parks and get it, get yourself into a level where you feel uncomfortable because, you know, you listen to this podcast or you listen to other podcasts and got other reviews and, you know, you based your decision upon, you know, this piece of information or stuff that you'd read on Facebook or, or heard on other podcasts. When it comes to staying or even traveling to Disney right now, the thing that's just so important to stress is that you have to feel totally comfortable with the decision to go. You know, given the spike in COVID, given what you are seeing on the news, if you have any doubts about your safety, if you have any doubts about the situation that you're going to go into, my advice to you would be is, you know, maybe – Maybe hold off on your travel plans and maybe wait for the 50th anniversary in, of next year. You know, un- unless you are confident and unless you're 100% sure that this is what you want to do, unless you have complete and utter faith in Disney, um, you use your discretion. I mean, you know if it's right for you to go. Um, as far as we were concerned, you know, we went online, we waited. Like so many other people, we didn't know if we were going to cancel our trip, but we took a look at all the safety precautions that Disney had put in place. We have several friends who are cast members that kind of gave us, you know, day-to-day narratives on what was being done. We took a look at crowd calendars. We took a look at all of the pictures of people that were going to crowds. And then we also made the smart decision to say, listen, if we're going into a park and we're in a situation that we don't feel comfortable, we're just not going to go. Um, I will tell you, and in complete honesty, that there were a few situations, specifically in Hollywood Studios, where uh, there were some crowd levels that we looked at and we did not feel quite comfortable going into certain areas of the park at various times. Hollywood Studios, of all of the parks that we experienced, and we went to all of the different parks, um, including Disney Springs, the only park that we ever felt that social distancing was really challenged was Hollywood Studios. Right now, Hollywood Studios is the park to be, You know, not just because of the opening of Galaxy's Edge. It is a uh, very easy park to do. Uh, there's a lot to do at the park. And of all of the parks, in terms of uh, the experience, I, f- I felt that Hollywood Studios, at least for how we do Hollywood Studios, was the least diminished of the four parks in terms of the experience. I'm sure that you've read, and you know, one of the things that almost all of these podcasts have talked about are the diminished experiences. And we're going to get into that, especially later on with dining, because that was something that um, really took us by surprise in terms of the limited menus. But all of the parks have been pared back considerably. Several attractions aren't open. And depending on how you do each park, you know, in some cases, those changes will be more noticeable than others. That said, for us, Hollywood Studios was not a noticeable change in the way that we do Hollywood Studios. You know, we, we've seen Indiana Jones so many times that the absence of that show did not bother us. Same thing with the Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Um, you know, we did miss our character interactions with the Star Wars characters over at the dock, uh, the Star Wars docking bay. Um, but again, that that didn't ruin the time for us. That park really had a, a life energy to it versus some of the other parks, um, most notably Epcot. For me, um, and just to let you know, Epcot has always been my favorite park. But this last trip was pretty depressing for me. I know they're trying to get people in right now with um, the Food and Wine Festival, which is a very muted festival. But you know, even that park itself, like mind mind you, the construction, you know, even before COVID, the construction was you know harder to kind of stomach and see the park just literally being ripped apart in front of your very eyes. But since COVID, that park to me just it, it felt the most changed. Um, and it, it just, it wasn't the same experience, but I think that that's why, uh, Hollywood studios is the park to be at right now. You know, both that and the magic kingdom are the two parks that you feel are still resembling the true Disney experience that you had prior to the outbreak of the novel coronavirus. So make sure that when you go, 
you know, that again, I, I can't stress this enough that it's something that you're really comfortable with because if you go into this situation and you are worried and you're troubled by the the spikes in coronavirus, if you're troubled and you think, you know, I don't know if it's worth risking my family, then you shouldn't go. I mean, Disney is a luxury. Um, it's not going to go anywhere. You know, you don't have to buy into the hype of, oh my God, well, I saw all these things on Facebook and people telling me that if I don't go now, I'm going to regret it because the crowd levels are so low. If you don't feel comfortable, it doesn't matter how many people are in the parks. You're, you're not going to enjoy yourself if you're constantly stressed out about worrying, am I going to get sick or not? You know, we are very conscientious. Just to let you know, too, like our family during quarantine, I mean, in the first few weeks, we didn't go anywhere. Um, we socially isolated to the max. And then I guess you could say we just got to that point where we started to look at, you know, our kind of place in all of this and said, you know, at at some point, we do also have to start to emerge from all of this and, and live our lives. We do so carefully. You know, we enjoy Disney. Disney is a part of our family. It's a part of our DNA. And while that certainly played a part in influencing our decision to go, it wasn't the only determining factor. You know, we really looked at the safety precautions that Disney had in place. I don't need to rehash all of the, you know, different facets that have been discussed in various podcasts. But if there is a place that you should feel safe in the world at large, it would be Disney World. They have gone above and beyond in terms of cleaning procedures, in terms of cast members being vigilant about other individuals having their masks on. Every cast member wears their mask. You don't have a reason to to be worried. But if you are generally an anxious person when it comes to coronavirus and you even at Disney, you cannot be comfortable, I would, again, I'd stress that you don't go. I wouldn't. So... We are, and I, I do want to get into you know the one facet and try to focus on something with this podcast every single week to kind of share some information and to discuss news. Hopefully, we're going to try to have some guests on and you know do some discussions for individuals who are traveling to the parks and maybe get connected with some other podcasters out there to really do some collaboration. But we uh, want to talk, or I would like to talk about. Uh, the Disney dining plan with this blog specifically and with this this time that I have with you today. The one aspect of this trip that we really did not know and we were concerned, I guess, most with was the absence of the dining plan. We love the Disney dining plan. Um, we could get into a discussion with individuals about its merit. There are some individuals that rail against the Disney dining plan. You know, there's individuals that are strict tables in Wonderland. Uh, you know, when it comes to they get their tables in Wonderland card, they avoid the dining plan at all cost. Uh, it just fits their style. But for our family, the Disney dining plan has always been so easy. We just purchase the dining plan. We understand how the dining credits work. And then we just make our reservations and go. You know, other than our gratuities, you don't have to worry about what you're ordering. You don't have to really pay any mind to uh, the menus itself. You basically, it's just a, it's a very easy plug and play system. So one of the things that we were really concerned with this this 12-day trip, especially because it was a lengthier trip, was without the dining plan and in this new COVID environment, you know, what it, what is this going to look like? Is it going to be overly frustrating um, you know, in terms of budgeting? Is that going to be challenging for our family? And, you know, what are the experiences going to be like? So, you know, for, first and foremost, when it comes to dining post-COVID, while I'm sure that most of you who are listening out there in the world understand and know this, uh, the dining experience at Disney has not just changed with the the absence of the dining plan, but the, the, the dining options themselves have been severely diminished. There are only two character dining experiences currently being offered, one of which I'm going to talk at about in great length because I was very disappointed in it. Um, but right now, there are currently only two options available to you. One is Topolino's Terrace, and that is a character breakfast over at the Riviera Resort. And the second character breakfast right now is the Garden Grill over at Epcot 
featuring uh, Chippendale and Mickey and Pluto, much like it, it had been prior to you know the outbreak of COVID. You know, other than that, there are no character offerings, which for me was very sad. Our family enjoys character dining. Um, it's why we also go with the Disney dining plan because character dining can get very costly and very expensive very quick. So with the dining plan, we have the opportunity to do lots of character dining without having to worry about the price tag that's associated with it. And then other than Cinderella's Royal Table, we really don't have to worry about how that's going to impact our dining credits. So if you are looking to do character dining without the dining plan, um, I hate to be you know the bearer of bad news, but I think that you will be somewhat disappointed by the lack of character dining options currently available. We did both character dining experiences. Um, we are and have always been big fans of the Garden Grill. We like the you know we like that family style meal. Um, big fans of the steak, big fans of the turkey. For us, it's very comparable and similar to for those of you who know um, the menu over at Liberty Tree Tavern over in Magic Kingdom. They bring you you know a plate full of options. You know, they're very family-friendly options, so our daughter loves to eat at those two restaurants, and, you know, we don't have to fight with her to get her to eat because there are really nice kid-friendly uh, options that come out, specifically the turkey and the mac and cheese, or her uh, – they're, they're her jam. She loves those. So for us, Garden Grill was I, – I, I dare I say the closest experience to the post-COVID experience that, that we had there. We didn't have a noticeable difference in the experience and, and the, even the character interactions at that. So for those of you who are familiar with the, the layout of the Garden Grill, um, they have the two tiers that rotate. Uh, everyone is being seated in the booths on the lower tier and then the characters – no one is seated at the top. The characters will walk around the circle at the top as will the servers and then they'll stop above your table and you have a chance to take a picture with them. And it's really nice because they'll actually stop at each table, much like they do uh, prior to the outbreak. You know, now they don't get really close to you. Obviously, you can't touch them. There's no hugs and there's no real close interaction. But you really get a sense that the characters are giving you personal attention and personal time. Very much worth it. For those of you, if you had to choose between the two character interactions, I would strongly recommend for those families that um, character dining is a priority. Definitely make sure that on your Epcot reservation day, you get that reservation. Topolino's Terrace for us was a very different experience. Now, I, I do want to stress that we did have a chance to eat at Topolino's pre-COVID. And it was uh, – very quickly, it became my new favorite go-to spot. And – you know, while you would not see me over in Facebook world, because I am, uh, there's, I, I really have no notoriety at all. I'm just another guy in many of these groups. One of my biggest comments of all of, of Topolino Terrace prior to the outbreak was, and I would stress this to anyone who ever would ask me about it, I would say it had become my favorite breakfast not just character breakfast but my favorite breakfast on property and i stressed to people i said listen if you haven't done topolino's terrace breakfast you have to go you have to do the breakfast there not just because the ambiance of of the restaurant itself and the character interaction but the food there to me was just so spectacular and it was a must-do experience for us moving forward so when this trip rolled around we made sure, you know, it wasn't just because it was a character dining, we, but we made sure that we got that breakfast. Like that to me, I said to Linda, I said, Lynn, we got to get that breakfast. I love it. I have to go over and get my steak from Topolino's. So we went there on, I think it was our third day. And I was so excited. It was, you know, it was that one day that you have an experience. Everyone knows this. You have that one experience that you just can't wait to go. So you're you're up at like 6 a.m. I mean, I think our reservation was at like 8 or 8.30. And that was an Epcot day too. So we couldn't get into the park till 11. But I didn't care. I just woke up so excited to go and eat my breakfast. And then we got there. We were so excited. The place is just gorgeous. 
If you haven't had a chance, uh, go online and check out some of the pictures. Um, the, the restaurant itself is absolutely beautiful. And the characters are really well done there. Like, all of their outfits are just so adorable. Um, it's And for those of you who don't know, it is um, Mickey, Donald, Daisy, and Minnie. And they are all dressed up in res- respective uh, artistic outfits. Uh, Minnie's the poet laureate. Uh, I want to say Mickey is the painter, Donald is the sculptor, and then um, the performance artist is Daisy. And they have these wonderful outfits. So the characters themselves will walk out. Again, you can't go up to the characters, and they kind of just do a wave. There's music that accompanies them. They don't get as close to the tables as they do over in Garden Grill. So that you really have to be Johnny on the spot with your camera, and you have to capture them as they're moving. So that wasn't it wasn't as delightful as garden girl in terms of the character interaction. You didn't feel close to them. It was just from your table. You kind of saw the characters walk by, but the thing that I want to stress to people who are excited to go to Topolino's is, and this was like a real learning experience for us. And really I have to be honest, that was the catalyst of me even contemplating starting my own podcast was just sharing this experience to give people an idea of just the various things that I wanted them to know before they they went. Because this was like a heartbreaker for me. But I went onto the menu. I wanted to find that menu item that I had so desperately waited months since February to eat again. And it was not there. So one of the big lessons, not just for Topolino's, but we can repeat this across the board for every single restaurant prior to showing up, please in your My Disney Experience app, check that menu. Make sure that you're not dreaming of a menu item and then you go to the restaurant itself and it's gone because the steak that was life-changing and some other people love the hash. The hash is not there and the steak are gone. The menu itself was extremely disappointing to me. Um, If I'm going to have two eggs over a side of bacon and sausage with biscuits and, you know, other, other pastries. I'm just going to go to Grand Floridian Cafe, which is an amazing, like, I, I don't want you to think that like I'm saying Grand Floridian Cafe is bad. It's not. It's actually prior to Topolino's Terrace, Grand, Grand Floridian Cafe was my favorite breakfast on property. But if I'm going to get that and I'm going to pay in excess of $40 for a plate of eggs, you know, it's got to be something spectacular and it just, it wasn't there for me. And I don't want, um, you know, I, some people won't mind that. Some people will say, Hey, you know, you're not paying $40 for a plate of eggs. You're paying for the experience. But again, for me, it wasn't the same character experience as it was in the past and everything was just very muted. So it was a little bit of a letdown. So in my mind, we were like one for two in terms of our expectations for character dining. We really loved the Garden Grill. If Topolinos does not go back to its former glory, I, I think for us, you know, we're just we're just going to bypass it in the future. And there are just so many other great breakfast options that I think that we are going to enjoy and gravitate more towards than than having to go back to Topolino's Terrace. So for those of you wondering, you know, what the character dining is like, is it worth it? Again, it's gonna be it's gonna be up to you. If you don't mind paying, you know, in excess of forty dollars for a plate of of eggs or you know pancakes and waffles, then you know cer- certainly by by all means don't let my review dissuade you from going and experiencing Topolino's for yourself. I just think that there's a lot better options out there in terms of getting getting the best food and the best bang for your buck. Um, you know, and if you're again if you're going there. To experience the characters, I I just want you to also know that they're not going to come over to your table specifically. You're going to have to play paparazzi and catch a a snap and snap a photo of them from from a distance. Whereas in Garden Grill, you know, they they really got to a point where you felt like they were addressing your table almost like they were in the past. So that was uh, character dining kind of kind of in a snapshot. Now, as far as um, dining in in the parks. You know, dining in the parks, again, very similar to to what you see with uh, the character dining experiences. Dining is very limited. 
you know, asking some of my cast member friends, you know, what it, you know, why they have done that. It, it seems like Disney itself is trying to, uh, you know, get very similar ingredients for various dishes, and that you know they don't they don't have some of the more exotic choices on the menu so that they can order very similar ingredients to prepare the four or five options for each you know meal that day so much of this the entrees and the appetizers that we have always gravitated towards once we had our our disappointment at Topolino's we really started to look ahead at the menu and kind of plot out you know, what we wanted to get. And we actually wound up changing a few of our reservations as a result of that. Um, Magic Kingdom, we ate at all of the restaurants that were there, both quick service and sit down. Uh, my favorite uh, is Pico Bill's. And I just – I'm a sucker for that chicken bowl with the uh, the black beans and the rice. And we always get a side order of the chips with the guacamole. And that is you know just, just as good as ever. And uh, I think we did Pico Bills twice. We did Starlight uh, Cafe. And yeah, it's – it is what it is. It's a foot long hot dog and, uh, you know, hamburgers and they're, you know, they're good. I mean, they, they haven't changed all that much. What I will say about the quick service is, um, we are huge fans of this new system. So for those of you who don't know, you know, how this is going. And again, this is, this is kind of why we're doing this podcast is the procedures have changed for all quick service ordering. So all the ordering they're recommending is done through the app, through the My Disney Experience app. So what you'll do is you'll open up the My Disney Experience app. You will create a new mobile order. You will fill out the order. You can actually customize it. So if you, you want certain things added, there's a button on the bottom that you can say, like, please don't add this. And then once you place the order and you pay for it in app, you have to have your credit card or a form of payment, whether it's a Disney gift card or a redemption card, you have to have it linked to um, that part of the My Disney Experience app. Once you pay for it, what you'll do is there will be a button that will say your order has been placed, and then you'll click the I'm here, prepare my meal button on the on the app. And then you have to go up wait until it gives you an all clear and it says your food is ready. You show that to a cast member who is at the door and then the cast member will let you enter. And then in most places, this was another thing that we were really worried about. And for anyone who's ever eaten at the Magic Kingdom, uh, you're always worried about seating. And especially in, uh, you know, the, the current climate is, you know, what is seating going to look like? Am I going to get a seat? And is my seat going to be socially distanced? So what the cast member will do, especially in some of the more busy um, quick service restaurants, is they will pick out a table for you. In almost every situation, what the cast members, you know, you had someone who was seating individuals in the quick service spots and you had people that were just sterilizing off everything. I mean, families weren't up you know, in excess of a minute from the table and already they were spraying it down with, with the sanitizer and making sure that all of the tables were clean. I have never seen the quick service venues so clean and just looking so good as I did, um, in our, in our last trip. So you will, you know, you'll walk up, you'll order and you'll have a chance to go and eat it. I have to tell you of all of the, the changes that were brought about by the outbreak and the pandemic. This was one that I, I really love this. Like to me, this was a huge improvement. Like I'm hoping that Disney looks at their procedures and they look at how they're doing business. And this is something that winds up staying because it's so much more efficient than, you know, f- fighting these huge crowds and these huge lines and then having, you know, having to fight individuals then for a table. Like having someone seating, um, having certain amount of people inside of the venue using the app, it just made it so it made it so much more enjoyable for us. Like this was the one aspect of low crowds that, like, I, give this to me any day. Like let's let's keep this um, because it, it, it's very efficient. So the quick service, you know, the quick service options in Magic Kingdom. Are, are still very much like they were. Casey's is, is not there. 
which for us was both a blessing and a curse. We love the food of Casey's, but again, um, Casey's is, uh, it's a huge mess. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm hating to sound like this, but you know, whenever you walk by Casey's, it's just that corner smells of ketchup to me. And I like ketchup as a condiment, but when everything smells like ketchup, it's just like, it's a trigger for me. So it was nice to walk by Casey's and not have to smell <laughs> the stench of ketchup just being everywhere, all over everything. Um, as far as the, uh, table service goes. Now we did not eat at Cinderella's Royal table. Um, I, and it is not available and we did not eat at, um, be our guest as well. And I know that they're, uh, seating there, but we did not have a chance. We, we didn't even see that, that option available to us, but we did have a chance to eat at Tony's. Uh, we also ate at Skipper Canteen and what am I forgetting? There is another restaurant in there that I know that we ate at. Oh, Liberty Tree Tavern, which was a really cool experience for us because we ate at Liberty Tree Tavern twice. Once we ate at Liberty Tree Tavern in the tavern itself, and then the second time we went, a fire alarm wound up going off. And as a result of that, they got a little bit backed up with their seating. So they seated us next door at the closed Diamond Horseshoe which was really cool. I'm a huge fan of the Diamond Horseshoe. I love the history of that restaurant itself. Um, I'm not as big of a fan of the barbecue options there. So for us, it was like the best of both worlds. I got the ambiance of the Diamond Horseshoe with the food of Liberty Tree. So it was like that, that was the night I was in absolute heaven. So we went to Liberty Tree twice. Um, not going to lie. I mean, the, the food there is amazing, but it's always about the ooey gooey toffee cake for us. That is the um, holy grail of desserts as far as my wife and I are concerned. And usually there's like a knife fight that breaks out at the table for the lion's share of that dessert itself. But we love that dessert. And so we did Liberty Tree twice. Skipper Canteen is low-key becoming one of our favorite meals on property. We've eaten there now maybe four or five times in various trips, and we've never had a bad a bad meal there. I mean, the servers are hilarious. They're very attentive. The ambiance of the building we're a big fan of. Uh, we hit the jackpot this time around, and we got seated in the butterfly booth. So that was a, a really cool experience, and just we love the food there too. I mean, the uh, Kungaloosh is a outstanding dessert. I ordered a panna cotta. My wife got the kungaloosh. She won. I wound up, you know, just like looking at her dessert the entire time until she took mercy on my soul and gave me some of her dessert. But Skipper Canteen is becoming one of our favorites. Tony's is a very polarizing dining option. You see this in Facebook groups. There's individuals that are Italian uh, Italian food purists. Uh, We come from the Northeast, so we live in the New York City area and have just wonderful Italian food options. So Tony's for us is very hit or miss. Um, There are certain entrees that we will get there that we we just – we can't do them. Um, Again, we're Italian food snobs. We can't do them at Tony's. There are other individuals that don't have the same experience in terms of the quality of Italian food that we do, and it's perfectly fine, and they love Tony's. But we, we had a great experience. We had a wonderful experience at Tony's. I was pleasantly surprised. We ordered um, the caprese salad, which it's kind of hard to mess up a caprese salad. And we had uh, a pizza, and we shared a pizza. And then my daughter had you know, her pasta with her sauce on the side, and then she likes to dip into that. So for us, um, you know, that was our – I think you would say that that was our pleasant surprise at, um, at that park. You know, we – Kind of, we kind of hold our breath a little bit whenever we go into Tony's to to say, "Are we going to enjoy this?" And that was an instance where we where we really did. So the Magic Kingdom, as far as the dining, the dining that's there was very unchanged. Um, as far as what what we ate there, we felt that 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 dining experience was not all that different from what you get on a on a normal normal basis. So. You know, if if you're saying, well, how how is that going to be different from the Disney dining plan? Uh, truly, nothing. You know, nothing. There's a few carts and there's a few specialty items that aren't available. 
but that you know that's that's kind of the downside with with almost every park or every resort there's going to be personal favorites that you're going to have that you're just you know you're going you're going to be sad that they're not there the spring roll cart is closed and um it caused me great sadness to to see that that item was not not there but you know if you, if you think of the attention that that cart draws on a regular basis and the fact that even on a, a normal day that that cart is filled with people, you know, it, it kind of makes sense that Disney made the decision to uh, to close it down. So Magic Kingdom, uh, you know, we gave that one two thumbs up in terms of, you know, the, the dining and we we felt like uh, our dining experiences there were, were pretty wonderful. Hollywood Studios. Um, for us is always again it's a it's a real wild card when it comes to dining. Hollywood and Vine is closed. We did have a chance to do uh the adjacent restaurant and we did enjoy it. Restaurants that have a lot of character interaction are a little bit of a letdown. Uh you know, same thing with like uh Whispering Whispering Cafe over at the Wilderness Lodge things that require heavy interaction with the cast members and you know the dining experiences where the cast members really enhance your dining experience it's going to be changed so having the servers in their plastic shields and their masks definitely changed the the experience over at um primetime cafe food was excellent the menu there is you know, it's, it's all comfort food. It's, you know, it's meatloaf, it's fried chicken. Um, you know, it's pot roast. The food there is, you, you can't really go wrong with it. I mean, it's just, it's hearty. Uh, sci fi cafe again is the servers aren't the star of the show as much as the, the various cars and the movies are uh, sci-fi cafes, burgers, salads, uh, you know, various fair that that was very similar to to what we experienced obviously you're the only family that's going to be seated in the car the interesting thing about the sci-fi drive-in theater we were just a little surprised at like the seating chart and there were certain rows like the front row right by the the screen were not being seated and i thought that they they could have seated them given the you know the six foot guideline but they didn't seat anyone there. Instead, they just kind of seated everyone in the cars across the middle and, and the back. So for us, we were just kind of – we were a little surprised at the seating chart. We never felt like the – we were in any any danger or we never felt compromised in any way by the seating chart. But we just looked at that thinking to ourselves, both my wife Linda and myself thinking, why did they seat us there? Food was good. Experience was good. You know, you get the whole car to yourself. So – you know, with a lot of these experiences, that's the other thing that you're going to notice. Sci-fi kind of made it, gave us the realization of a restaurant that is normally packed to the gills, um, being, you know, virtually empty. So it was just really weird seeing a lot of these table service locations being filled. I, I wouldn't even say halfway. I mean, a quarter of the restaurant is filled. So I don't, I don't know if that is because people are avoiding table service because they're just worried about being uh, part of indoor dining, or if uh, you know individuals just don't know that without the dining plan they just don't know if they want to swing it. Um, but there were not a lot of people dining, and at some of our favorite places, we just could not help but notice how empty they were. Uh, the one place that we had been dying to try, and we could never, um, we just. We never got into it to the point of where we felt like it was comfortable was going to um, the quick service location over in Galaxy's Edge. And the menu items looked really cool. We always love the names that they they have these really exotic dishes and these exotic names. No, I did not get into the cantina. Um, The cantina, I don't don't know how it was socially distanced. If somebody gives me an idea of it, and I haven't even seen pictures since the outbreak of COVID – um, but we went to um, the Docking Bay Dining, and um, the food the food is excellent. I always have to get a Ronto wrap as well. It's one of my favorite. Uh, it's one of my favorite foods in Galaxy's Edge, or you know, just period on property. It's just so awesome. 
But we uh, we enjoyed our time in the docking bay, and it's quick service. So again, it was really nice to you know order on the app, get seated, walk over, and sit at a booth that was um, kind of secluded and away from everyone else. Eat in a really quiet you know location in air condition, and then just get up. Um, you know that was that was by far. I think I think that was my most enjoyable meal over at the studios was eating in Galaxy's Edge. Um, Mama Melrose, oh Mama Melrose, Mama Melrose. It is again, it's very polarizing. Whenever I so whenever I'm going to talk Italian food, if if this is in an, a future podcast or any, anyway, I'm always people people will I think inherently get mad at me because of my take on Italian food. Again, I'm spoiled. We did not have a great experience a few years ago at Mama Melrose, so we avoided it. But because we had a studio's uh, park pass that day, and we wanted to eat in the park so that we could take full advantage of our pass, we decided instead of um, instead of eating at a duplicate place that we were gonna uh, we were gonna lift our prohibition on Mama Melrose. It was at that point in our trip. It was the third. Italian meal that we had had after Tony's and after Tutto Italia over in Epcot. Of the three, um, there were some really good things, and then there were some things that we we barely found palatable. So we got the calamari appetizer, and again, um, as long as the calamari is fresh and it's not chewy, it's good. And it was very good. My wife got that, and I got a, a salad, a house salad, and that was really good for appetizers. And then she got the chicken parm, and then I decided to get the spaghetti with meatballs. Purely from a standpoint, I know some people are going to say, like, you know, what kind of adventurous Italian eater are you that you're getting the spaghetti meatballs? But when it came to that specific restaurant, my mentality was, you, you can't mess that up. Like, there's no way that I'm going to hate this meal. It's pasta, sauce, and meat. And it's the most basic Italian meal. Uh, And I was really disappointed. I have to say, though, I have to say, of the three places that we ate, and my daughter got spaghetti and meatballs at all three locations, Mama Melrose had the most flavorful meatballs of the three locations. So we ate at Tony's, we ate at Tutto Italia in Epcot, and then we ate at Mama Melrose. Of the three meatballs that we ate, or I ate because my daughter does not like meatballs or meat in general. I enjoyed the meatballs at Mama Melrose the most. The sauce there to me is more reminiscent of like a, a prego or a ragu. It's just, it's heavily seasoned Italian sauce. And it has a lot of oregano. Some people really find that type of sauce palatable and attractive. To me, simplicity works best in Italian cuisine when you don't have an overpowering of spices. And that was the same thing with my wife's chicken parm. She and I have very similar palates in that we don't like it when the Italian is like there's too much oregano and there's too much Italian seasoning in it. So for us, that meal kind of kind of fell flat. Some people love Mama Melrose. They swear by it. I've talked to individuals that Mama Melrose is like their go-to dining location. Um, you know, again, you know, almost all of these locations have altered menus. So if Mama Melrose is your go-to place, just again, please be sure with any of these locations that you are checking the menu ahead of time to make sure that you're not going for a uh, specific menu item and then you get there only to discover that it's not there and then you have to order $40 eggs. So Hollywood was, um, again, aside from Mama Melrose, which wasn't a terrible experience, it just, it wasn't the greatest of our trip. Um, We enjoyed our dining experience at Hollywood. Uh, Epcot for us was just so sad. And now to turn to Epcot. Epcot's my favorite park. I don't know why growing up Epcot for me was my favorite. It just was my favorite. I Some people found like the, uh, the edutainment like cheesy. I, I loved it. Like it was my go-to. Like I have... I have the feels for Epcot. So 
it hurts my heart to see Epcot in its current state. With COVID, so so that you know too, um, the World Showcase by and large is is closed. They have the booths for the Food and Wine Festival, which isn't quite the Food and Wine Festival. It's this weird hybrid right now of part flower and garden and part food and wine. The flower and garden merch is actually still out, which is also like just really strange because it's like food and wine, flower and garden. There's none of, none of the topiaries are out. Um, not even all of the you know, of the buildings are open in the world showcase. You know, they have specific booths of foods. The one thing I will say I loved about this aspect of the Epcot food and wine festival is they've brought back a lot of the fan favorites. And for me, like it was lobster roll season. Like I had a life altering experience when I had that lobster roll several, several years back. And I have dreamed, like I still dream of the lobster roll over in America. They, the roll wasn't um, as toasted and buttery as, as it was from my first memory, but it was still spot on, really good. So I have to go there and order several of those. And like if that's where if you don't have uh, the dining plan, you, know, you just have to sort of be of the mind that you're going to shell out you're going to be shelling out money. So whenever food and wine is going, you know, this is, this is the one, uh, again, getting back to the original discussion on the topic of how has life changed with the dining plan since the demise of the, uh, you know, the dining plan. Um, you just have to be of the mindset that you're, you know, you're not going to be able to leverage your snack credits in food and wine. We always will save up during food and wine, a lot of, at least my snack credits, and then we'll just go to town. Like we'll have one day where we don't get a lunch. We just go to town and use snack credits so that we don't have to bring home like 40 candy bars. So for us, um, you know, we didn't go, go as hard as we normally do on food and wine because we knew that we would really, we wanted to like something if we were going to order it. So we got our favorites, um, I also had not had a chance to try the Regal Eagle Smokehouse, so we wanted to be sure that we popped in there. Uh, we met up with one of my cast member friends who we always try to connect with whenever we come down here from Pennsylvania, and uh, he had wanted to try the Smokehouse as well, so we went there, um, and we got, uh, you know, we got the brisket, and, you know, just var- various foodstuffs. You know, bar- the barbecue was excellent. Um, if you haven't had a chance to go to the Regal Eagle Smokehouse, that was kind of a th- like that quick service for us had always been a throwaway in America, and it was actually really gross. I mean, I think the only reason we would ever really go there was for my daughter to get her hot dog, her hot dog fix. Um, but now that went from being a location that we're going to walk by. We went from walking by all the time to. You know, that that's that's probably gonna be our I'm gonna be honest, that's probably gonna be our new go to in um in terms of quick service. We like that. We like the fish and chips. Um fish and chips was closed, but we did eat in the pub to get our fish and chips on. Um that restaurant, just the flow the flow of it has, is always different. Like the atmosphere of that restaurant versus others is a little bit different. Whereas in England you know, people really embrace the part of that culture where, you know, people will sit and have a few pints. So getting seated was a little bit more, it was the only place that we ever really waited because, um, some of the other patrons were really enjoying their, their meal there and they were taking some time. So we were seated there 20 minutes later than, than our reservation. Um, so standing in the sun, uh, of the world showcase baking with our masks on for 20 minutes, was uh wasn't fun was not fun over waiting to get into rose and crown but by the time we got in i i I have to say i have to admit despite the fact that i think i was dripping sweat like profusely at that point waiting to get into rose and crown um i looked over at linda afterward we had both of us had our fish and chips and we looked at each other and said listen you know all things being equal definitely worth it the fish and chips there is very good um you know, it's, it's, it's one of our, it's one of our favorite in terms of like the, the meals over in Epcot. We, we love it there. Um, we did not do a lot of dining in Epcot 
Uh, I did talk about the, the character experience that we that we had there. Um, but we did dine at Tutto Italia. Tutto Italia, top to bottom, is our favorite Italian restaurant in all of the parks. Uh, I've gone to Italy several times. For me, it is the most authentic in terms of its its closeness to what true Italian cuisine is really like. We've gone to Viennapoli. We'll take Tutto Italia over Viennapoli any day. Come at me. Some people are going to fight me on that one and say, nope, Viennapoli is, you know, that's that's my dog in this fight. For me, uh, having traveled to Italy, I'll tell you, Tutto Italia every single time for us. Servers are always great. Um, it was very empty. Of all of the restaurants that we ate in, um, Tutto Italia was very, very quiet. No, Grand Floridian Cafe was was empty. We were the only family eating breakfast for almost the duration of our meal for Grand Floridian Cafe. But um, the meals were excellent for the restaurants that we experienced. Um, normally, I will have, and in future in future iterations of this podcast, I'll have other reviews for you. But we did not do a lot of Epcot, and again, I think this goes to. A, a separate but uh, you know related topic of Epcot is a really weird park right now. Um, it's blown up. There's lots of construction barriers. It's very hot in the park. There's never been a lot of shade. So for us having the masks on, I mean, and if if you saw us too, like you, like we we damn near had Darth Vader apparatus on ourselves. We had cooling gators, which we were wetting to make sure that they were doing their job. We had the neck fans on. We had, um, you know, we had the masks on, which were a nice breathable polyester. So we didn't do the heavy cotton mask. And in spite of that, and, you know, trying to drink as much as we could, Epcot was just really, really hot. So we did not do a lot of Epcot and the hours of Epcot itself did not at least midday did not lend itself to being very mask friendly. So the park itself opens at 11 o'clock and that 11 to two window is just very, very tough to do. And in the, especially in the world showcase, normally you would be able to pop into various shops and enjoy the AC so that the world showcase was a lot more doable. In this case, you could not do that because most of the shops are closed. None of the, none of the international workers are there so it's cast members who've been reallocated who are doing a really great job too by the way like the spirit the spirit of the world showcase is very much still there but it's just it's a shell the the world showcase itself is just a shell of what it was so it's just really disappointing for us so we didn't spend a lot of time doing epcot or we would do epcot at night and then by that point we were gravitating towards the ride and at that point there's no weight. Like you can just – you can ride Soren as many times as you want. Test Track had a little bit of a weight and Frozen Ever After was a pretty steady 30, 35, sometimes 40-minute wait. So you can get on those rides with relative ease. So at that point of the evening, we had two Epcot days in our 12-day say – we we did more of the rides because we knew that we weren't going to frequent the park because for us if you're going to use a park reservation pass we just found it so much so much more we were taking so much more advantage of that limited park pass cuz you can't park hop of going to one of the other parks so we were trying to use our park passes for something else other than 11 o'clock to 9 at Epcot there's no fireworks so for us, you know, Epcot just did not quite have the magic that it that it normally holds. Um, we did not eat in Animal Kingdom. Uh, we did not have a single meal in Animal Kingdom. And I wish that I could really give you a reason other than the park hours were just weird for us. Um, we don't eat early dinner. And Yak and Yeti is one of our favorite restaurants, but I did not want to eat dinner. The only restaurant I could, or the only reservation I could get for Yak and Yeti was at four o'clock. And I did not want to eat dinner at four o'clock. The park closes at six. So 
Uh, I've never been like a giant fan of the canteen over in Pandora. Some people love the pods. I'm just not a fan of the pods. Um, so we, we kind of skipped that one. So whenever we had an Animal Kingdom day, we would try to jump over to some of the resorts and enjoy the food there. We went to Polite Pig over at Disney Springs, which was awesome. Uh, really good barbecue. Uh, we got that. We got the sampling where for two people we ordered, you know, basically the brisket, the chicken, uh, the pork. It was outstanding. My wife and I shared that, and then my daughter got some uh, mac and cheese over at Play Pig. Um, but we did not. Uh, we did not do any food at Animal Kingdom. That said, um, you know, Animal Kingdom's got really great food, and I wish I could give some of you listeners a better idea of what the food is like there. Um, you know, in a future podcast when all of this has kind of gone away and park hopping is restored, I'd love to just do a podcast itself on, you know, the, the food options at animal kingdom and my thoughts on some of them, but we, we avoided that as far as the, uh, the resorts go. Um, we hit up Kona, I always make I always make the biggest mistake of at Kona dinner. I never order the right thing. I screw up all the time, um, and I'm sure a lot of people like the the chicken there. But I just I ordered the wrong thing. I I didn't really want the chicken. I don't know why I ordered the chicken at Kona, and the food at Kona is just outstanding. We miss Ohana. Uh, we love Ohana. Ohana is one of our favorite meals. I understand why Ohana cannot run right now. Um, I mean, part of it is there's also no demand. I mean, a lot of these restaurants, and when you go to the the various resorts and you just see the parks, there's not enough people to staff all of these restaurants, and they just they can't open everything. There's not enough demand right there. But we uh, we did enjoy Kona. Normally, I'll, I'll head over to Kona, uh, to Kona and we'll get the Tonga Toast, and my wife loves those pancakes there. We did not do that. We opted instead for the Grand Floridian Cafe, which is low-key, for those of you who don't know, hands down, one of my favorite restaurants on property for breakfast, lunch, dinner. The food there is just, uh, it's to die for. It's to die for. And... For us, we ate twice at the Grand Floridian Cafe. So we had breakfast. Breakfast was really weird because we didn't know what was going on. We thought maybe there was a natural disaster that we missed out on. No one was in the restaurant. We had a breakfast reservation at 8, um, and no one was there. We basically dined by ourselves. But even dinner, when we were there for dinner, low-key, not enough people know how great the Grand Floridian Cafe is. And we enjoyed I, I I would tend to say that was one of our favorite meals. We uh, did hit up the Wave. We did not do Chef Mickey's over at the Contemporary, but we did go to the Wave it, at the Contemporary. And again, one of our hidden gems. People just don't go there enough. The people who know about the Wave know about the Wave. And they're probably nodding their heads right now as I'm saying that it is one of the most enjoyable dining experiences you will have in terms of the quality of the food and the, you know, just the speed of service there is just, it's top notch. Uh, we went over to Key West. We had never been, I know this is going to sound weird, but we'd never been to Olivia's. So we had a chance to, cause we had a longer trip and, uh, that was another animal kingdom day. So we finished up at animal kingdom early and we said, hey, listen, you know, we're in the neighborhood. Let's go over to Olivia's. We got a reservation there and uh, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Some people think it's the end-all be-all of meals on property. I don't know if I share that assessment, but I loved my meal there. I really liked it. I got the, I got the chicken and it was very good. The fried chicken was very good. Um. As was as was the dessert, as was the dessert, the key lime, very good. So, well, I'm trying to think of the other resorts that we did. So we did Grand Floridian Cafe, we did the Wave, we did Olivia's, we did uh, Kona. We had an opportunity. 
to do. I'm missing. I'm missing one. I'm looking over at people that are sitting here watching me do this podcast. I can't remember the other one that we did. But dining at the resorts again are very, very different from what you will know. So, my advice to you when it comes to dining on property is make sure make sure that you check the menu ahead of time. As far as budget wise, we actually we saved a lot of money by not having the dining plan because we did inherently change the way that we ate on property. We did not have the bigger breakfasts that we normally will do. And we'll normally have like those big character breakfasts and then be stuffed and then try to find a way to eat midday. But we will and then, you know, come dinner time, we just don't have anywhere to put the food. So with this, you know, we would eat smaller breakfasts. We would go and buy those wonderful chocolate croissants. My daughter would have like a bowl of cereal. So we would almost like have, you know, save for Topolino's and, you know, having, you know, one, maybe one more breakfast where, you know, we went to Grand Floridian Cafe. Most of the time, we were just having a real like, easy, quick breakfast and then having a full lunch and a full dinner. So we wound up saving a lot of money. And then, you know, the thing, the thing about the dining plan, depending on what tier you get, if you get, if you get the dining plan, a lot of times you'll, you'll leverage those snacks. But for us, whenever we get the deluxe dining plan, we always feel so put off by snacks. Like the, the idea of snacks just sickens you. You're just so full from your meals because you get the, you know, they get the appetizer, the entree and the dessert. And usually you've had a full character breakfast that morning and you, you've like thoroughly engorged yourself on breakfast. The last thing that you want to do on top of that is have two separate snacks at various times of the day. So for us, you know, and we, we would have had the deluxe dining plan for us. I think we wound up saving a considerable amount of money, even buying snacks out of pocket and us going a little crazy the one day at Epcot and just buying our food at the food and wine festival. But for people who are saying, you know, what is this experience going to be like post dining plan? If, if you've gone to restaurants before the experience other than just limited options doesn't really change. Like what I would tell people is, you know, branch out, you know, go, go with some restaurants that you haven't tried for us. That was the great thing. You know, we've always felt that like with the dining plan, you know, we, we find ourselves gravitating towards the same old, same old because, you know, the, the other ones can't be good because no one's, no one's booking this dining. No one's, we got to get Ohana. We've got to get Chef Mickey. So when we have the dining plan, it's almost like we've always felt compelled to compete with the other guests to make sure that we were in the coveted places just so that we could go there. With this, you know, like the world was kind of our oyster. And because the crowds were so low, I think it gave us the liberty to look at, at every restaurant on property that was open and available and really just try some different restaurants and some different options and not have to worry about, you know, pricing out the meal and is our meal choice going to justify the cost of the dining plan itself? It was, dare I say, liberating to not be worried about the dining plan and trying to leverage the dining plan for every single solitary cent. So we wound up really enjoying our uh, our experience without the dining plan. But, you know, just it's like everything else. Know, know what you want to do before you, before you go. Don't make the mistake that me, we made and go to a restaurant expecting certain entrees only to be devastated when the, the menu item that you've been salivating over and dreaming about for the last few months is, is not there. So, I don't know, we're getting, we're getting a little... Getting a little long in the tooth here with this um, with this podcast. I don't know, you know. I, I mean, we're gonna play with with format and we're gonna play with time, but I I don't know how long these are generally going to be. But I would like to have some some guests on, and uh, I would like to have you meet, obviously, my partner in Disney and in life, Linda, and have her come on tonight. She is putting our daughter in bed. So she kind of bid me um, a good luck on this first podcast and then went up to the room. 
to uh, put our daughter to bed because we just got back and we are we are Disney tired. So uh, I'm really excited. Uh, I I hope that you enjoyed and um, I hope that this little discussion of Disney dining was uh, enjoyable. And I'm going to try to do these on a weekly basis. So next week uh, I do want to you know talk about. Uh, you know, I get and get get caught up with some news, but I do want to talk about uh, the overall experience at um, one park in particular, which is Hollywood Studios, and I do want to address some of the issues that I think are really hot button topics, specifically boarding groups and uh, the boarding group. Again, it's a real controversial topic, but boarding group remains to be one of the most discussed things of, you know, how is it done? Um, I'm not a fan of it. And, you know, we're going to talk about that in length next week. But I also want to talk about, you know, some strategies to really maximize your time at Hollywood Studios, studios given all of uh, the recent changes. And of all of the parks, it really is the one park that you have to have a really good plan going into it. So next week, our topic of discussion for our next podcast is definitely going to be focused on that one thing of how to maximize my park pass at Hollywood Studios without fast passes and how do I get on Rise of the Resistance and enjoy all of the new rides in uh, in my one day. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I... Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for uh, sticking with me for this first podcast, and it was the uh, the first of many. And I hope you that I hope you enjoyed it, and I will catch up with you next week. Thank you. This Diz Life podcast is brought to you by the Happiness is Addictive collection. Happiness is Addictive is passionate about spreading laughter and creating smiles worldwide. They love bringing their global community together through optimism, cheer, hopefulness, merriment, and celebrating life's magical moments. They know how important it is to celebrate life's adventures, and their apparel will give you everlasting, one-of-a-kind memories through pixie-dusted family photos, compliments from park guests, and magical moments with cast members. They pride themselves on high-quality, custom-made apparel at competitive prices with world-class service. Let them help you create a lifetime of memories, whether you're Disney-bounding, kicking it poolside, participating in run Disney marathons, having costumed adventures, or just living your best Disney life. You can find their Happiness is Addictive shop on Etsy. You can also find them on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Pinterest. They are proud to be featured in Indie Central Florida, the Thoughtful Gift Club, and now here on DizLife Podcast. Their collection was founded by a 15-year former cast member who knows how to enhance your magical moments for a lifetime of memories with your family. Don't forget to use promo code DISLIFE15 to take an extra 15% off. What are you waiting for? Head over to Etsy and start getting happy today. Follow the link in our show notes and you'll find out for yourself that happiness is addictive.